Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Tampa Bay Lightning play their sixth straight overtime game, and like so many others, it was Braden Point with a game winner and a 5-4 win over the Florida Panthers. Are you ready for Tiger Mania? He tees off in a pro-am very early Wednesday at the Valspar Championship. A lot of people will be going out there this weekend to see him. And Alabama defensive back Mika Fitzpatrick, he could be the best player available when the Bucks pick number seven overall. Is he a safety, a corner, or both? You'll hear from Fitzpatrick's interview from the NFL Scouting Combine. All that and more on this episode of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick, who is at that exciting lightning game. Free hockey every night with these guys, right? I'm not getting paid extra for this time. Why were you doing six straight <laughs> overtime games? Although one was I don't know. I actually went to one of these, and, and it, it's, it seems like it was a month ago, but it, but it, it was one of these six. Unbelievable they play these overtime games every night, and this was a good one. You knew coming in it was going to be the Florida Panthers, which is a team trying to hang on to get that final wild card. And you mentioned even, uh, I guess it was yesterday, that they could be a first-round opponent of the Lightning in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's an exciting. it was an exciting game, of course, from start to finish. It was back and forth, and, you know, Yanni Gord was terrific. He had, what, two goals and an assist, I want to say. That's correct. Uh, boy, that line with him and J.T. Miller – and point was just dominant. I mean, they, they, they were the whole game, in my opinion. They were, and, and, and it was interesting at the beginning of the game, they did not put them against the Barkov line, which is the best line for Florida. Normally, point gets the best line uh, sure. of the other team. They put the Stamkos, Kucherov, and Kalorn line against them. And to be honest, Barkov's line kind of dominated the first part of the game. They did. Midway through the second period, uh, Cooper switched it and then put the point line on the Barkov line because um, that's generally your shutdown line. So it was kind of an interesting strategy. I know Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito were talking a lot about it during the game. Um, yeah. d- didn't understand why and, and you know thought that it should have been point all along on, on that line. The Barkov line with Nick Bukestad, who had a hat trick tonight, and, and Dadenoff uh, was phenomenal all night long. Their best line by far has kind of led them. They, the Panthers had come into the game winning 13 of their last 16 games. Uh, really, on, really on a roll. Um, they've really moved up the standings. Um, and so, six in a row, I think they had one, right? Yes, they had six in a row, at, all at home. That tied their franchise record for most longest homestand with wins. If you're the Lightning, it was kind of disappointing because you were up 4-2 in the third period, and you give up two third-period goals. Yeah, uh, I didn't didn't like play that. very well to start the third period. Now, after they, they tied the game, I thought the Lightning played their best hockey of the night for the remaining of the third period, and then the overtime is three-on-three three wide open. but. But I mean, look, it, you know, you can't get into this pattern of of going up two goals and then giving up, you know, scores and, and having to fight your way out of overtime. Even though they're five zero and one in those six games that they played now, um, which is, I think that t- does that tie a franchise record or is a franchise? It is. Record? It is. Five was already a franchise record, so right. six is definitely. So they added they added to that. Uh, however, I still love and and my wife who went to one of these six games. 
um, said it best is that there's nothing more exciting, I think, in hockey right now than the overtime because oh. it's three-on-three. Three. The three-on-three three with that wide-open ice is phenomenal. Oh, it's just – and especially with, I mean, the saves that Veselevsky made all night long. I mean, they could have scored ten goals, as as is usually the case, but he was the best player on the ice even though uh, they give up four goals. But what a goal by Braden Point and the move he made in this call from Dave Mishkin and Phil Esposito. And it's going to be grabbed by Strawman. He has it left circle. Strawman, right circle point, holds. Back for Strawman. It's not blocked. It was blocked. Rebound Strawman, left point. Right circle, Braden Point. Point, cuts in front. Shoots. Oh, what a move. What a move. What a move. Point. He wins it for the Lightning. Again. 5-4. How many has he done like that? Overtime, what a move he made. Wow. That's breaking ankles in the hockey version right there, man. What does he do? The the toe drag, uh, the the backhand, forehand, for, or forehand, backhand, and then flips it up. Yeah, he toe dragged uh, it around Dadanoff, who he completely undressed. And then he, oh. had the, he had the presence to roof it right over Luong, Robert Luongo. It was amazing. It was such an uh, – and, and you could see – not only was it the game winner, and of course the teammates were excited about that, but it was the move that he made to to, to score that goal. So yeah, I mean he he's been terrific. I mean they're deep. I mean that's the one thing you see about this team. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, I don't know what they have in that line, but it's awfully good. And you said, Steve, we were talking before the podcast about you know just how much everybody was was raving kind of about the Ryan McDonough trade, but the guy that they got as part of that. Um, has has been phenomenal. JT Miller adding a lot of grit and size, which the Lightning don't really have among their forward group. Um, you right. know, tonight there was a play at the uh, center ice where uh, Petrovic uh, was trying to check JT Miller right into Brian Engblom's you know space <laughs> between the benches there, and he just lowered yeah. his shoulder and put Petrovic on his butt instead. That was nice. That um, was nice. You know, you don't see that size. I mean, he's uh, about six one, two hundred pounds, which is pretty big for a Lightning forward. Um, they have some right. size on the defensive end, but. Uh, mm-hmm. He adds a lot of grit, but he can play the power play. He can play the penalty kill. He's good on faceoffs. Um, you know, really yeah. like his addition. And with Gord and Point, he's been phenomenal. He's already got two goals and, and I think an assist and uh, you know a bunch of hits. So you know he's uh, he's been great. He plays a little like Ryan Callahan to me, but a bigger version of him in some a ways. A little more offensively skilled than Callahan. Yeah, uh, but yeah. yes, yes, kind of a similar game. Well, he's got like 14 or 15 goals now in the season. I mean, mm-hmm. it's two now with the He's Lightning. had two straight 20-goal seasons before this season. So Yeah. And a young guy. I mean, what is he, like 25, He'll be 25 right? next month. Or this month. Yeah. I think later this month he's 25 in March. They just keep adding to it. So hats off to Steve Eiserman for that addition because it's paying off right away. Now, the question is, see, I thought we were, uh, you know, when they got McDonough, he had the upper body injury, but there was a, a pretty good chance that uh, serendipity would come into play. And Thursday night they play his former Ranger team. He's former captain of the Rangers but it looks like McDonough's not going to be ready, right? Uh, next week now, possibly Saturday, John Cooper said today, but really more likely next week, um, hoping that it's just really them just not wanting to rush him back. I think everyone was hoping he'd be back for the Ranger game, and maybe he was too. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, personally, the Lightning have 96 points with 15 games to go. Don't rush anybody back. You no, know, it's if, about if, the if you can If you now. can sit him another couple games, great. I mean, yeah. Andre Palat, he's set to come back pro- hopefully in a couple weeks. Yeah. Take as much time as he needs. It's about being ready for the playoffs, not you know playing the last 15 games. Probably too early for this because it's still 15 games. But at what point would you say let's give this guy a rest, or maybe we don't? Maybe we back off on Veslevsky a little bit. 
I, th- I think you'll see, well, Peter Budai right now is on a conditioning stint in Syracuse, so this weekend he'll be down there conditioning. And at that point, the Lightning have to make a decision who their backup goalie is. You can, car- you can carry three goalies if you want. But Louis, Louis Domingue, right once now. Budai comes back, Louis Domingue has to be sent down or it's one of your AHL call-ups. And after the trade deadline, you only get four AHL call-ups in a non-emergency situation. If someone's hurt, you get to call someone up in an emergency. If they, if they want to stay with Domingue, he becomes their third call-up from the AHL, which means they only have one other player they could call up and use on a non-emergency role. Someone gets hurt. So Ernie, uh, Sorelli, and then Domingue would be your third. So do the Lightning want to do that, or would they rather uh, just send Domingue back to, to the minors and let him play for Syracuse, who's going to make a playoff run, too? They're in second in their division. That's a decision they're going to have to make. Um, that's what some people thought they might try to trade Budai at the trade deadline. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Uh, yeah. Because they, they, the thought was you wanted to keep Domingue here, as you had you added Pasquale down at uh, AHL as well as Connor Ingram, so at your right. at Syracuse team. So, sure, it sure feels like Budai is going to get the call up, doesn't it? Even well, there, I think after this conditioning great. stint, he has to come up. I mean, right, right, right. And I think you only get three games in six days after the trade deadline. But if you're going to start Friday and he's down there through Sunday, he's got to be called up, assuming he's healthy enough to you know the conditioning stint. It's okay. Well, I'll tell you, um, this Florida team, uh, I know they've played, I mean, they've played now four games with them. And there's been a total of 39 goals scored in those four games, which is phenomenal. Um, what a series that would be. I'm not sure if I'm a Lightning fan. I want to see them in the first round, although that's what the kind of way it's, it sort of looks like it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen um, if Florida can get that last playoff spot. But they are fast, and they are skilled, and they got Robert, Roberto Luongo. And I'll tell you, they're a heavier team. They're a bigger team than the Lightning. They are, and under their first-year coach, Bob Bugner, um, they've, they struggled really early in the season, and now they're yeah. coming on. They're peaking at the right time right now to make that run. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of like they finally understand the system and are playing in and are playing fast, which is what they weren't mm-hmm. doing earlier in the year. Right, right. And I know before the game, Cooper was saying it seems like when you watch them, every, every uh, play is an odd man rush or a breakout of some kind, and that's that's what they like to do. So. Makes for it would make for an unbelievable series, and it'd be good for hockey in Florida, obviously. So we'll see if that comes to play. But a lot of road trips for Lightning fans down to Sunrise. Yeah, I know that would be great for for hockey fans on for both teams, but especially for the Lightning, they could just drive down there. And uh, but boy, what caravans special, on Alligator Alley? Yeah, this is a special season. I mean, no matter what happens, and of course, it will be a huge, huge, huge disappointment if they don't at least make it to the Stanley Cup and or win it. Um, but having said all that, I don't know how it's going to end, but man, it's been fun because when it's winning time, these guys just win. I mean, you you take for granted they're going to win, but they seem to win every single night, which is really something. Well, and you know, there's a lot of games this year where they'll be down two, two goals in the first period and you're like, it's okay. Yeah. You don't panic. They don't panic. As a fan, you don't panic. They've almost got you trained to, you know, it's okay. Yeah. We're going to make this a game. I mean, we may lose it at the end, but we're going to make it a game. That's how explosive they are. So, yeah, you stay for all three periods, and lately, extra free hockey, right? So, anyway, uh, we'll follow the Lightning, of course, uh, all week long. Show of hands, who's going to see Tiger Woods? My hand is up. I'm going to the Vals Bar at least for a day or so. Uh, Tiger Woods was there on, I guess it would have been Tuesday, hitting off the range, and there were already 1,000 people watching him hit golf balls off the range. Have you ever seen him play or – hit at the range i have or? seen him play at the, i saw him play at the firestone one time he wasn't playing really well it was mm-hmm. starting to be the the point of his career where injuries were creeping up and he hadn't won in a very long time so he didn't make the cut that weekend so he didn't play well 
it was still a big gallery and everything following him. I can't imagine what it's going to be like because, you know, Valspar does very, very well. And then, you you know, on top of Tiger Woods, you have Jordan Spieth is going to be there and Roy McIlroy and just, you know, a lot of really – there's a tremendous field. So I guess he tees off on Wednesday in a pro-am pretty early before 7 a.m. Before um, I'd like so to yeah. be up. Yeah, right. Me too. Um, so if I get out there, his round might be over by the time I get to see him uh, if I go tomorrow or, or Thursday. I think Thursday he's uh, he's also before or right around 8 a.m. sometime in that. But we'll have the tee times for you um, as, we, as we go forward. I got, I got to see him in the 2009, I believe, uh, PGA Championship in Minnesota. And, really? And Yeah, and it was uh, that was the one where he actually led after three rounds and then lost to Y.E. Yang. It was the first time that it ever happened in a major. Okay. But, yeah, because Tiger was money on Sunday before well, that. Absolutely. But watching him, just uh, you know, and, and I got to stand behind him and, on the practice mm-hmm. on the driving range. And he would pick out a tree about 250 yards out, and he's just hitting clubs and hitting the tree every time. This is impressive, man. And then all of a sudden he says, okay, now I'm going to draw it in. And just shot after mm-hmm. shot, drawing it in, hitting the tree. And then he fades mm-hmm. it in. And he takes about 10 strokes with that. And probably eight of them, he hits the tree, and the other two are, are really close. And then he picks a tree about 50 yards further and just starts doing that. And it was, it was impressive. And you could see the other golfers lined up. You know, they're doing their driving range, and they're either speeding up, getting out of there, or slowing down because they don't want to compete with it. And it's intimidating to them. Now, this was back in his prime 10 years ago. This is when he was intimidating. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah. It's got to be even a little bit that way today. I mean, maybe not as good, but from the the galleries and the fans and and all the excitement around it, you know, it has to be a little intimidating with that. Yeah, he doesn't hit it as far, and uh, but it's but you know it's a chance to see him while he's still and, and right now he's playing pretty good golf. I mean, I think you know the two turn he played back to back tournaments and finished in the top fifteen in both of them. Actually, had a chance to maybe post a number the last time out until he uh, kind of bogeyed his way in. But um, he's played better, so again, I don't know how, how his body's going to hold up. That's why he took a week off. I was kind of surprised he came back and played this week at the Valspar, but it's going to be cool. The la- the only other time he was here uh, was in 1998, and that was back when it was the J.C. Penny. And remember, they used to pair a PGA player with an LPGA player, and he had some friends from college whose sister played, and they, they paired up together, and they actually finished second in the tournament. And then a couple weeks later, he won his first Masters at, like, I think he was, like, age 20 or something like that. So just incredible. I was on, uh, I was on a TV show for uh, Spectrum uh, Sports, the face-off with Tom Jones, by the way, who? and uh, who? Yeah, <laughs> right. And we were asked this question: uh, Will we ever see sort of the likes of Tiger Woods again? And I don't think I will in my lifetime. First of all, you know, it's like Haley's comment. I mean, you had guys like Jack Nicklaus won eighteen majors, right? And Tiger's got fourteen. And and for the for all the while, it looked like he would actually run Jack down. Now I don't think it'll ever happen personally, but I, I think. Here's what I think has happened, and, and, and you can disagree with me or, or not. Um, I, I think there's not the same motivation for the general field of golfers in this generation that, that there was for Tiger, who was, 
you know, on the Mike Douglas show when he was, you know, four years old or two years old or whatever it was. Um, and we know the story with Earl Woods and just how he drove him and, and, and thought he was you know, going to change the world, and he sort of did. Uh, I don't know, but I think the money is so big right now and the endorsements. Remember a few years ago, like Jordan Speed came out, and he won, what, two majors in one year and was like second in another. And, um, you know, and, and then the thing – but the thing that really I remember – is I think Roy McIlroy said it best. He he was uh, at one point a couple of years ago. He was he says, "Look, I'm 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 I woke up. I'm 25 years old. At that point, he had won three or four majors, and he says, I 'I'm already a Hall of Fame golfer, and and I make a, I've got a ton of money.' So he he admitted. He says, you know, frankly, it's it's hard to be motivated. And so when you look at the number of good, this is the other part too. I I don't I think there are so many guys that can win each week now. I don't know that that was always the case. It seemed like Tiger and Phil were back and forth a lot. Um, you know, obviously Jack had Arnold Palmer and, and several others. But now, I mean, any given weekend, you know, there's, you know, McElroy and Spieth and Dustin Johnson and Jason Day and Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler. I mean, and those are just the guys that, that win with some regularity. So I don't, I don't think know. I don't I, think there's any golfer today as good as Tiger was when he was in his prime. But the collective group of golfers – is the much group better, is phenomenal. Much better yeah. than anything we've ever seen in golf. That's what, and that's what I mean. So I think yep. it will be hard for one person to mm-hmm. dominate. But I would agree with you. I think the field is incredible. But I also, I also think the longevity records in most sports are not going to fall from here on out. I mean, there'll be a handful here and there, but no one needs people to play just as won't long. play the money. As long. The money's there. The, there's so much that's money right. that you make that you don't need to to hang on for 20, 25 years. Golf can be a little different. It's not quite as physical as some of the others. But, um, you know, there's the rare people like Tom Brady that still want to play at 40, and he's got all the money in the world. It has nothing to do with that. Um, there's, you know, certain people driven that way, but for the most part, a lot of those people are not going to play that long. That's right. Yeah, all, all of what you say I agree with. And so you got a chance to see Tiger Woods while he's still on the PGA Tour, and who knows, maybe he'll get his game back, and uh, maybe this will be a good week for him, at least like to see him make it to the weekend and make the cut and, and see what kind of crowds they get. Uh, It'd be great the for the Valspar Championship. It'd be great for television ratings and, and showcasing oh, yeah. this area and the Tampa Bay area. Uh, and it's going to be, from what I understand, I mean, a little rain on Wednesday maybe, but uh, by the time the tournament rolls around, chance of rain, I think, on Sunday, but it's going to be beautiful. I think it'll be Chamber of Commerce-type weather in the 70s out there. It's going to be phenomenal. So looking forward to going to the Valspar uh, this weekend. Okay, uh, before we uh, get into this interview that I did with Mika Fitzpatrick, who uh, he actually talked at the Combine. I was there when he was on the podium uh, for about 13, 14 minutes. We're going to play all of that. But, um, you know, he, he's a very impressive guy. He's somebody that, that the Bucks actually may have a chance to draft because there's going to be some other players that they would like that would go before him. But before that... I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sports day to take advantage of the deal. That's audibletrial.com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. So we've talked about some of the top players in the draft, and I think Saquon Barkley is the best player I've seen in years, regardless of position. I, mean, I, I really believe that uh, the Cleveland Browns may take him one overall and, and worry about the quarterback, whether it's through free agency or some other way. Um, Bradley Chubb is the guy the Bucks absolutely need the most because he's an edge rusher. He's probably the best one. 
there's others like Marcus Davenport that they may decide is it worthy of a top seven pick. We'll see. Uh, Quentin Nelson, who we uh, played some of his interview yesterday, the Notre Dame offensive guards, very, very good player. But what about the best defensive back in the draft? Because as we know, the Bucks don't know what's going to happen with Brent Grimes, who's a free agent. We saw Vernon Hargrave sort of regress last year, and he got hurt with that hamstring, and they moved him inside, sort of a nickel position. So what about one of the, the best college football players uh, out there going? And that's, that's Fitzpatrick, who has just a great personal story as well. Now, the thing that has to be decided is, of course, what position does he play? Because, you know, in Alabama, Nick Saban sort of came up with this role for him to, to be mostly sort of a slot cornerback. So, you know, just exactly uh, what, what does he see himself doing in the NFL? I came in as a corner, and uh, so I, I was just, just covering people, playing man-to-man, wherever it was. Um, and like halfway through camp, Coach Saban just came to me, um, asked me if I wanted to play a slot corner and learn how to play it. And I said, sure. So I kind of just took on that role, and um, that's really what I did, mostly for all my freshman year with a little bit of corner. And then my sophomore year, I'll go back and forth between corner and, uh, and the nickel corner. And then... Um, so it's, just, it's pretty much what I did, and I was just comfortable at doing it because I practiced it a lot. I didn't practice all the time. I worked on it all the time, and, you know, it's a different type of position. It's a position, uh, it's kind of a combination between corner and safety. Uh, you know, you can make calls like a safety, you can rush, you can fill the hole and the gaps like a safety, but then you get to cover man-to-man uh, on, pass, on pass downs uh, when you need to, just like a corner. Uh, so, you know, I like, I like playing both corner and safety, so I think slot corner is just the, the optimal, optimal position. Okay, so the fact that he can do a lot of things, you know, it's a specialized sort of defense these days because you see three receivers on the field 68 70% of the time. Sometimes you go to dime packages and you can use that guy as almost an extra linebacker. So shouldn't all that versatility really help Fitzpatrick? I think for this weekend it's going to show me. Uh, I can show people that, you know, I have the hips and feet with corner, but I also have the IQ uh, and the, the tackling ability of a safety. And I think that's really important uh, to show uh, coaches when I'm out there doing my drills. Um, and then I think just going into the draft, I think just giving me uh, a little bit of up. You know, they, they know I could play uh, multiple positions at a high level, not just not playing there, but also playing at a high level. Fitzpatrick has a really unbelievable family story. He's overcome a lot. His uh, family's home was devastated by Hurricane Irene back in 2011. Um, their, their home in Old Bridge, New Jersey, was flooded. They had no insurance. No choice but to try to rebuild. His mom was already working, so was his sister, his father. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick Sr. Had, was working three jobs. You know, they had trouble paying uh, bills for him to go to school, so. Um, you know, it's, it's really crazy. I remember the, the first, the second I, I got here, I was just laying in my bed and I just started smiling. <laughs> it, was, it was just like, I just started smiling just because I just thought about the day, like where I'm at and just the opportunity that I have right now. Now, you know, it's, it's just crazy. Uh, it's truly a blessing. It's an honor to be here. It's been a whole lot of fun. And, uh, you know, me and my family is going to continue to work, continue to, uh, to just push through everything. And, you know, we're just really happy to be here. We're grateful. So keep on working. Now, Fitzpatrick went to Alabama. Nick Saban, of course, has prepared a lot of guys for the NFL. He was an NFL coach himself, of course, with the Miami Dolphins before that on the staff with the Cleveland Browns and Bill Belichick. What is it about Alabama that gets these defensive backs in particular ready for the NFL? Well, I think Coach Saban um, runs a tight ship, obviously. 
Um, but, you know, he's been in the league. He's had a whole lot of experience. He's, he has had other coaches that have been in the league also coach for him. So I think they kind of know what it takes to succeed on the next level, and they kind of run their program uh, after an NFL program. So, um, you know, I feel like a lot of coaches say, you know, you're, you're a lot more prepared than a lot of the other players just because you went to Alabama, which, uh, which NFL coaches say it, so. But Fitzpatrick, of course, playing in the SEC, saw some pretty good receivers. None better than his own teammate, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley <laughs> on my team. Uh, but I saw my team, Christian Kirk, uh, another receiver that uh, was here. Um, both of them, both great receivers. Now, I covered Calvin every single day, and we had battles every single day in practice uh, when I wasn't at safety, and, and I was, we both got each other better. All right, let's wrap up with this. In basketball, the USF women, they lose to UConn again in the ACC final, but uh, with any luck, maybe they'll see them in a national championship game. They're hoping to host the first or second round games. I guess we'll find that out when the women's tournament is announced uh, sometime over the weekend. And then the men's team begins conference uh, tournament play themselves on Thursday at 2 p.m. against Memphis. And they've won two in a row, including a game against Memphis. So uh, they get to turn around and play them again. So keep it right here on TampaBay.com for all the latest on the Bucks, the Bolts, the Rays. Oh, by the way, speaking of the Rays, Jake Bowers hit a titanic home run down there on, I guess it would have been Tuesday, and I'm excited. I know he's going to start the season in Durham, you know, things like you know, control of the player the extra year and all that, which is a shame because he could help them right away. I can't wait to see him play first base this year. No, a lot of those players from that Durham team should be exciting, especially some of the pitchers. Of course, Brent Honeywell injured right. will not play this year. But a lot of those pitchers, Jake Bowers, Willie Adamas should be up at some mm-hmm. point this year. Uh, should be exciting time to see how these young guys actually can produce in the big leagues after producing for many years in the minors and won some championships along the way. And they're going to need his bat and his power. I mean, this guy has rare power. It's going to be fun to watch him play. We thank you for listening. We want you to make this a habit, and we want your feedback. You can always contact us with your questions or any comments you have on Twitter, at Sports Day Tampa Bay. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or, of course, always you can email me at rstroud at tampabay.com. And we want you to rate and review this podcast. Steve, where can they do that? Anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's from iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, it's on SoundCloud. And also, of course, you can always go to tampabay.com slash sports, and the latest podcasts are there. You can rate and review it there, too. Of course, a big week here with the Valspar, with the Grand Prix coming up. Of course, more lightning games this week in the race. It's going to be great. So make sure you visit us here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. 